and welcome to Open Stance, the podcast. This is your host, Tracy Height-Smith. This four-part series is a confronting journey into the heart of domestic violence, where our guests share personal stories discussing the emotional and physical abuse towards a partner, former partner, or family member. We have the privilege to listen to brave and intensely personal conversations of victim survivors and frontline domestic violence advocates who share confronting insight, educating our audience on what domestic and family violence is, who is at risk, what domestic violence involves, and what forms it can take. And through these tough conversations, we learn about the harrowing aftermath of domestic violence and the lifelong impact it has on individuals and communities around the world. In this episode, we hear from Ashton Wood, founder and CEO of Australian charity, DB Safe Phone. Established in response to COVID-19 lockdowns, DB Safe Phone collects, repurposes and gifts mobile phones to victims of domestic violence in need. This is done in partnership with registered charities, safe houses and law enforcement authorities serving this vulnerable community. A practical community-driven initiative DB Safe Phone has to date facilitated the delivery of over 3,000 safe phones to enable victims to access help when it is needed most. Please welcome Ashton Wood to Open Stance. Good morning, Ashton. Good morning, Tracy. I'm just going to let you jump right in and introduce yourself to our audience and um, let them know about your charity and what you found and what your team does and, and who you are. Um, it certainly wasn't something I'd planned on doing. Uh, I run another business and I used to travel a lot uh, interstate and overseas. And when COVID hit, all the travel stopped. So the work didn't because everyone then just moved to online, right? But the travel did. And I ended up having a lot of spare time on my hands that I wasn't sitting in airports or on planes. So I decided to clean up the house and fill the car with goods to donate to charity. And this is back in April, 2020. Um, here in Queensland and uh, loaded the car up but got lazy and decided not to take it literally five minutes up the road to the charity shop. Uh, thought I'll just do it tomorrow, can't be bothered today. And uh, that night here in Queensland, we went into lockdowns. So everything was shut down. So I had a car load of goods ready to go and nowhere to take it. So I thought someone's got to want this stuff, it wasn't junk. So I rang the only person I could think of, and it was an ex-police senior sergeant who I'd met a number of times at the Chambers of Commerce meetings here on Sunshine Coast. And I had a number, so I gave her a call and said, look, Janine, I've got a car load of stuff. Um, everything's been shut down. It's not junk. Where do I take it? Have you got someone's home or a safe house or something? And I had no idea about domestic violence at this stage, but I just knew she dealt with. That was the industry she was in. And she said to me, um, Ashton, what I need right now are mobile phones. I'm like, did you say mobile phones? She goes, yeah. I said, but I've got a carload of stuff for you. She goes, no, that's good. We, we'll need that too. But right now we need phones. And I said, what on earth do you need phones for? And she said, it's one of the first things to get smashed, taken or monitored during domestic violence. And she said, there's a lot of support out there for people going through domestic violence. But if they don't have access to a phone they can use to call for help, then we can't enact any of the plan, any of the safety plan or the escape plan. And I said, well, what do you mean? Why can't people call? Everyone's got phones. <laughs> and she's like, Ashton, you have no idea. Like their phones are being monitored, they're tracked, they're taken from them, they're smashed. 
quite often that that is one of the main things that uh, is done you know in domestic violence to stop the victim calling out for help um and i said to her well i've got i've got two phones in my drawer i mean i'm literally i just wait for the next you know as soon as my plan runs out i'll go and get the, the latest phone and the old one just goes in my drawer so i had two phones that were perfectly good um and i said oh you can have them that you know they're, they're perfect and she said ashton those old phones could save a life so that's how the whole thing started. I, I said to her, well, how many do you need? And she said, what do you mean? I said, well, I've got friends in corporate. You know, I work in corporate. So I know we've all got phones because we just upgrade and throw them in our drawers. And I know there's corporates that have got boxes of phones that I don't know what to do with. So how many do you need? And she said, you'll never get me enough, Ash. There's over 2 million victims. And uh, yeah, I was pretty shocked. I said, wow, that's a big number. I said, I don't know about getting you 2 million phones, but I can certainly start. I said, out of interest, what countries are you going to send these phones to? And she goes, what countries? I said, yeah, well, 2 million is a lot of people. Like, what countries? Thinking, you know, are they going to Papua New Guinea? Are they going, where are they going? And she said, uh, Ashton, what rock have you been living under? This is just here in Australia. So that's what started the whole thing. So I put the call out to mates and... Um, Long story short, uh, we're now set up as a full-blown charity. Uh, we're getting donated phones from all over Australia and we give phones all over Australia to any registered police station, any registered DV agency, any safe house, any hospital even. Um, if it's a public place to send phones to, we put it on the map. So any victims who are looking for phones can go to our website, get on our map um, and see all the locations that we're sending phones to so they can reach out to them for one of our phones and all the other assistance they can offer. Uh, we only offer phones, that's it. We don't do any other services because um, as I said, my expertise is not in domestic violence, but it is in IT and it is in marketing. So I knew I could get phones and test them and get them out the door. And um, so, so far we've received nearly 10,000 phones uh, from all my across the question, How many phones are available and how many agencies mm. uh, have taken on yeah, so we've received nearly 10,000 phones from across Australia from generous individuals and companies and Rotary Clubs and Lions Clubs and uh, lots of different inner wheel. So lots of community groups are getting involved. Um, we've sent out around 3,200 of those phones because a lot were coming in pretty severely damaged and still are, you know, cracked screens and, and batteries that are not going to be suitable for the job. So we're trying to see how we can go with getting you know, more donations and grants and funding because we've got enough phones here to employ five full-time techs if we had the money to, to bring them in and buy all the parts we need to fix those phones. So at the moment, what we're doing is getting through the ones that come in that are in fairly good condition. And that's how we've managed to get, you know, already 3,200 and out the door, which is amazing. So there's 3,000, over 3,200 people now with safe phones in their hands. Wow. That, that is and the next question, so you have all these agencies across Australia that are able to distribute a safe phone for victims mm -hmm. of domestic violence. Yep. Who? Let's talk a little bit more about who the victims are. Yep. Um, and from your experience, so number one, you said that you don't have domestic violence or family domestic violence experience in your life. No. And this is all new. Well, I thought I knew one person. So I, I honestly thought I knew one person who had been through domestic violence when I started this whole charity. And since going out to just my network on LinkedIn, I am shocked at how many people have come back to me who I've worked directly with. I've been in bid teams in rooms with these people for weeks and months at a time, you know, dealing with 
big contracts and it's never come up. It's never been discussed. I had no idea what these people have been going through or have, you know, were going through, have been going through their, their families, you know, their kids, their parents even. It's, um, I was shocked at how many people are now talking about it. Um, now that we just talk about donating your old phone. So it is really open my eyes to the severity of it here in Australia. Right. So the victims um, in a domestic violence situation, predominantly you're looking at women, uh, but then yeah. you have family domestic violence where an entire family and surrounding family members are involved and that is including so mothers, women and children. Who is able to receive these phones? Uh, what if a mother's too scared or a woman's too scared and there's children involved? Are teens, are children allowed to receive these phones in order to help? Uh, they may in fact be victims themselves. So who specifically, yep. are there age restrictions around this? Do they, and, and talk a little bit about from the victim side of things, uh, with what ease can a victim feel safe to get one of these, learn how to use it? Where do they store it? How does, how does that process look for someone that would be frightened uh, about taking this step to go receive? Uh, yeah, they're really good questions, Tracy. Um, so firstly, we don't discriminate. Um, domestic violence does happen to anyone, humans, men, women, children, elderly, um, the lot. So we know it's predominantly women, absolutely. So we will provide DV safe phones for free to any domestic violence or law enforcement agency, no matter who they deal with. So we don't discriminate at all. A victim in my mind, a victim is a victim. So anyone who's a registered agency can get our phones. We rely on the agency and their expertise around all the wraparound services for the victims, but we understand that there are programs at the moment that, that provide funds to victims. There's housing, there's clothing, there's a lot of, there is a lot of support out there for people to reach out. The challenge is them having the confidence to actually reach out. A lot of the agencies we deal with help them with setting up what we call a safety or escape plan, which is about connecting the victim with their support network, which may not be a professional service, it might be their best friend, where they have clothes sitting there ready to go with their best friend and their best friend knows that look, when they get that call, the victim's gonna literally jump the back fence and get picked up in the next street and get out of there. So um, there's, there is actually a lot of support available for people going through it. Um, but yeah, that, that first jump is huge. The stats, the official stats are that it takes eight or nine occurrences of domestic violence before people have the confidence and support to leave. Um, and unfortunately, each time domestic violence happens, it, it normally is worse every single time. So, you know, we, we all hope that, that people can get the support they need and, and get out before it becomes hospitalisation. As I said before, we provide phones to hospitals very quietly for free because obviously Hospitals get massive funding, right? But by the time it comes down to the nurse looking after someone who's come in with, you know, they're in a hospital, so they've been pretty severely harmed. But that person wants to go back home because they've got kids and pets and belongings and they, they can't just get out. So that nurse is saying, well, geez, we need to give you some way to call for help next time this happens because it will happen again. Um, so with our phones, the idea is that they get into the hands of a victim through an agency, through police, through a hospital and they take the phone home and hide it. And they're educated about where to hide it and how to hide it the best way. And it stays turned off. So we provide it fully charged. Um, we do provide SIM cards where we have funding available to put SIM cards in or give the agency SIM cards to help them with the people. 
Um, and the phone's turned off in a cupboard, charged, ready to go. Um, and so it's talk the idea about that. Um, can you share a little bit more about the SIM card? So there's a cost involved in that, of course, and somebody that receives a DV Safe phone, uh, would they be worried about the SIM card running out or if it's an ongoing situation and, and we know um, it could be months down the track where something escalates, is that phone um, still going to be available for them if the SIM card runs out? Um, can is, is that a cost they take on themselves or can they have it mm. reinstated or recharged or booted? Yeah, so um, all the phones we send out, um, we make sure they're not network locked so they can have any SIM card put in them. Um, any phone can be used in Australia to call triple zero even without a SIM card and it will just find the strongest, it's a really good system in Australia, so it'll find the strongest network. So worst case, if the SIM card has zero credit or is, doesn't even exist and it's just a phone, a mobile phone without a SIM card, the victim can still call triple zero and get help. So that's a really important piece of information yeah. for yep. agencies to deliver in the worst mm. case scenario. Your yep. phone will always call triple zero. Correct, yes. However, most victims want to call their support network. So what we've done is I've looked for the best SIM card sort of we could get in Australia and Aldi Mobile is the only one that does a $5 prepaid SIM that will last for a whole year before it expires. Whereas most of them you'll pay 10, 15, $20 for a prepaid SIM and it expires after 30 days, which is kind of useless if you're going to put it in a cupboard and hide it. So what we've been doing is buying Aldi SIM cards and putting them in with the cards, with the phones. But again, it's only subject to us being able to get money to do it because every phone we send out costs us money. I, I put a brand new charger cable with it. We pay for the postage for the phones to go out. We're paying for people in here and volunteers and all the operating costs to, to run the charity. Do you, so, do you have a breakdown of what, what each phone actually approximately costs for you to service and have it ready for distribution? Yeah, so it's a $5 prepaid SIM, a $15 top-up credit, a charger cable and postage. So it's around a $30 mark, um, not including, like I said, we have volunteers. We've got a few staff here that help us part-time keep things running. But um, so our proper cost, if we included everything, would be around sort of $40 to $50 a phone. Um, so if somebody was willing to, if somebody was willing to donate and they knew that number was $45 or $50 and oh, yeah. that was their yeah. donation point, they could feel as if they were saving, potentially saving somebody's life with that donation. Absolutely, yes, yes, definitely. That, that would make, definitely help us get a phone out the door. Yeah, we're currently sitting in a space which is free rent, but um, we're on borrowed time because I've just put the building up for sale. So <laughs> we're, um, we're gonna have to move and we're looking to probably have to take on a lease with that. So yeah, there's, it's, there's definitely lots of costs around it, but. As I said, a phone out the door is a phone out the door. And we're rushing about over 100 phones a week out the door at the moment. So. I have one more question on uh, just following up and wrapping up the actual the device itself and when it goes to a victim. So that was really important information, the triple zero mm. ability for the phone to call. What about, do, you, do any apps go out on this phone already uploaded or... Um, do you have any resources, uh, hotlines, crisis lines? Do you have any support organization information um, as part of this phone so a victim can quickly find these support services that are available? Because in most cases, they probably don't know they even mm. exist. If they even know they're in a domestic violence situation, they've got a lot going on. Um, mm. Probably not sitting around researching this all day. Do you have those types of things available? 
Yeah, so the phones go out fully reset. So they're like receiving a brand new phone. And we're seeing a lot of iPhone 7s at the moment because we're getting a lot of them coming in from financial institutions. Um, but when when we send them out and they're received by the agency, uh, the agency sits down with the victim to set the phone up. And when they turn on, it will be you know the full reset as if it's come brand new in a box. So you've got to go through the whole language settings. And we have an instruction uh, sheet with it to say, look, it's a brand new phone. Like, treat it like a brand new phone. Do not sign it back into your old iCloud accounts or anything like that because the perpetrator will quite often be on that as well and they will set you off a new device. Could you please repeat that? That was very important. Yep. So don't sign your new phone, your DV safe phone. Like, set up a new identity. You're getting a new SIM card with a new phone number anyway. So you're completing your identity because the perpetrator, there's so many smart things you can do now with phones, which has made life really easy but it's also made it really easy to track people and know what they're up to. So, you know, the standard on every iPhone is a find my phone feature, which allows you to track a phone within a meter of where it is. There are bunches of other apps that can do it even better. So when we give a phone out, we have a piece of paper that goes to the agency that says, don't sign this into any of the victim's existing accounts. This is a brand new phone, set up a new iCloud account if they're gonna download apps. Um, but it is a brand new phone and keep it as a brand new identity. Okay, so that, that leaves a little bit of leeway and creativity for the agencies. Yeah. And if some, if so you're saying that the victim is actually working directly with professional with an agency, yes. setting up yes. that phone in a safe yep. environment. Yep. So all their questions can be asked, um, mm -hmm. help with the phone, setting it up. If you're, if you're someone that's not good with technology or if you're a teenage, I don't know, Teenagers mm -hmm. do other technology, mm -hmm. an elderly person yep. that may be not comfortable with the phone. Would that also yep. allow a channel for these agencies to have a raft of organizations support apps or critical resource apps, uh, websites that they could install at the time of delivery so that in times of crisis or in emergency situations, a victim can quickly um, have that information mm. available to them? Yeah, we recommend they put their primary numbers, like their support network numbers into that new phone, um, just you know, into the contacts so that they've got those numbers on hand straight away. Um, so when they turn the phone on, they don't have to remember phone numbers of who they need to call. Um, the other thing we have is we have developed an app as well. So the, I got speaking to the police about, about this and said, look, help me understand this. I haven't come from this industry. Um, why, yeah. wh why don't, uh, perpetrators just get locked up. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, well, there's DVOs if people are doing bad things. And now there's jail time if they breach the DVO. So why are people not just locked up? Uh, and they said, oh, I, should, it's, I wish it was that easy. It's not that easy. <laughs> um, they said it takes a lot of evidence to build the DVO and to you know go to court. And there's, there's a bit of a process behind it. I said, so what's the issue with the evidence? And they said, well, think about it. You know, how, how are people going to keep notes? Yeah, I said, well, you tell me. I said, well, I can't keep notes at home because if that gets found, all hell's going to break loose. I said, well, what about apps? And they said, no, because if they download an app to their phone, the partner's probably sharing the same account and they'll see it come down and they'll say, what is this? And they said, the other thing is sometimes the partner might, the, the victim might download an app and the kids might be playing with mum's phone and notice it and just, you know, not mean anything by it, just go, oh, well, what's this thing? And, and expose it, right? So, um, we had an app developer reach out and said, uh, Sorry, do you need any help? An app developer reached out to me and said, do you need any help with anything? I said, yeah, we need to make an app that's hidden. So we've made an app and we provide information of that in the pack. 
and it yeah. downloads as a secret app. So it literally can't be found on the phone unless you know what you're doing. And it's hidden behind another app as well. So in the packs that go out to all the agencies, we provide access to this free app and that's to go on the, on the victim's primary phone. So the one they're always using. That way they're not having to go to the cupboard to quickly record something that might've happened. They can literally be sitting there on the phone and it has date, time, they can upload photos and videos. And then that gets emailed to an email account they've set up in the app, which could be their best friend. It could be an account their partner doesn't know about, or it could be an agency they work with. And it just keeps that log of the incidents that are happening so that once they get the support they need and they're out and they want to take further action with DBOs or whatever it might be, then they've got this history of everything that's happened because you know, it's hard to remember uh, dates and times and exactly what was said later on. That's that's type of information that you learn when you spend a lot of time within this this industry. This uh, when you study domestic violence and family domestic violence, uh, I'd love you to share that just um, a little bit more. So two things that you brought up, which is evidence. And mm. if you're in a domestic violence situation, it's so important to understand that in order to take action, that will be required. So number one, knowing that. Number two, you've mentioned how scary that can be and how dangerous that can be to take any kind mm. of evidence and, and recording in a journal or note taking or on your phone, it will get discovered and can enhance the chance of, of you know, or, endanger in, in yourself even more. Mm. Um, yeah. So the evidence taking part of that, it, is that something that the agencies spend a little bit of time with a victim to say, number one, this is what you're gonna need in a court of law. You can do this, but you can do it on the, do they take time to draw that parallel and, and make that, give that yeah, understanding? I, I I can't speak on behalf of all agencies. So we're, we're sending phones to about 240, uh, 140 different agencies around Australia at the moment. So um, I honestly can't speak on how much time they have spent with people uh, at the initial points or throughout. Uh, but we do deal with agencies here locally, obviously more often because they pop in here to get phones from us to save us a bit of postage. And some deal with um, families, so women and kids. Um, and they make sure that um, yeah, the families are, are well aware of what's required to escape, take action and keep themselves safe. And your question earlier about, you know, are phones available for kids as well? We leave that totally up to the agency. And we know some agencies do. They, they ask for the older style phones that they can give to the kids to take to school. So the kids can actually make contact when they're out of the home about what's going on at home. Sure. So, yeah. And it, it, to, this is just a brainstorm, but when I hear about this and I understand the impact that domestic violence and family violence has directly mm. on children and teens, mm. uh, wouldn't it be amazing and impactful to have this kind of education and availability of the DV Safe phone uh, brought to the attention within schools? Uh, because yeah. there are many, many kids mm. living in silence and living in these mm. environments every day. But if they yep. were to become aware that, for example, hypothetically, mm. if it was their mother um, mm. that was a victim, mm. but they know these safe phones are available, and if there was an age restriction uh, that was a barrier for them, they could tell mm. a safe person in their life or someone else that might be able to help guide that mother or um, get someone else to get the DV safe phone on their behalf and, mm. and help mm. in that way. 
Yeah, definitely. somebody might be terrified and not want to take that step, mm -hmm. uh, but you may be empowering another family member that is able to do that. Yeah, we've had a few schools um, locally do uh, DV Safe Phone Collection Day, so they've collected phones from the school community um, and funds as well, and come in and you know one school donated one hundred and twenty dollars they'd collected through donations for us. And that was a really good conversation starter for the school, for this uh, this group of students who took it on and took it into the school and spoke at the assemblies about it. And um, it's a big conversation starter about domestic violence. So it worked well. It, it got us phones in the door. It got us some funds as well. And it, like you said, it, it started that conversation with, you know, these were year 10 students. Um, so it started a good conversation with them. It all starts with a conversation and mm. just getting it out there and making that awareness available. Yeah. Um, do you have any any personal stories to share? Have you've delivered all these phones over three thousand? I know we've spoken, and I, I know you have a five year plan of delivering. Is it twenty thousand phones you'd like to see across Australia? Yep. Do you have any yep. um, any personal experience of a victim that you've heard that this has been a crucial um, safety resource for them? Yeah, we're getting a lot uh, a lot of feedback from the agencies that it is. Um, we've noticed a few agencies are, are ordering more and more often from us. Uh, where you know we originally offered them ten phones, and like oh, how's this work? And we go well, yeah, it's free, ten free phones. Uh, and so they've started coming back more and more often to get more and more phones from us. And one of one of the people here sat with them and said, "So what's changed? You know, you seem to be getting more and more phones." And they said, "Yeah, well, originally, you know, the phones were the last thing we discussed because they're expensive. You know, they're." For a decent phone, a couple hundred dollars. We're busy trying to get clothing and accommodation, uh, taxi vouchers, all those sorts of things. We're trying to help the victim with their escape plan and get out of trouble. We wouldn't really talk about the phone much because we knew we couldn't do anything about it. Like we just don't have the funding to go and buy every person that comes to their door a, a $200 phone. But they said, now that we've realized with you guys, it's literally an unlimited supply of phones. I mean, we send boxes 10 at a time so that we can manage things here. But it's literally when they run down low, they just message us again and say we need another 10. And as long as we've got stock, they'll get another 10. Um, so they said now it's the first thing they do. So they normally, their engagement is they'll meet a victim at a coffee shop because they won't have the victim come to their office because their phone probably is being tracked. So the perpetrator will know where the victim's going. So they'll meet them somewhere at a coffee shop and just have a chat. And the first thing they say is, is your phone being tracked or monitored right now? And the victim, nine out, nine out of 10 victims will say yes. I'm, I'm, I know I'm being tracked right now. There's another, so, sorry to interrupt. That's such an important piece of information for a victim to anyone in the audience listening that knows somebody may be going to get the DV safe phone, um, knowing that phone is being tracked, potentially being tracked mm. and to go to a safe space, uh, like you yep. said, a cafe or something mm. inconspicuous yep. in the very, yep. in the very beginning. Yeah. 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 So that's, um, that's what they do now. They they go. They have DV safe phones with them. The agencies. They meet them in a coffee shop. They have a chat. Are you being you know, tracked right now? Yes, I am. Okay, good. Here's your next phone. Well, not good, but here's a phone that we know is clean, not being tracked. Let's set that up right now, and that's your communication method back to us as the agency. Um, and we know um, we've, we're hearing of uh, plans where victims are escaping, and they're literally they've got the DV safe phone. They've organised the date and time to escape. Uh, they wait till their partner's gone to work and they leave the original phone at home. So when the partner's monitoring, they just think they're at home all day. 
um, but they've been gone for, you know, they've got out of there. Oh, the partner's going to work. You know, they're out of that place. They've moved out. They've got themselves into a safe place. Might be a safe house. Might be a friend's place. Um, and this, this is the, the partner won't know for hours. Yeah. And that's what you do. So you provide this safe phone. I'm just just sharing different ways to, to see this because it's so important. Um, so the safe phone gives that victim time mm -hmm. and safety to work within their own parameters. Yep. Uh, to build a to build an escape plan, a strategy mm -hmm. to get out of mm -hmm. there. When you have children, yep. uh, it's a far more complicated situation that takes time and thought. Mm -hmm. It takes mm -hmm. a lot of guts and courage. So what yeah. you're doing is allowing the person not just to make one phone call and feel like they've got to escape that day, which is highly mm -hmm. highly likely that it will fail, um, mm -hmm. which is even more terrifying. So this phone gives you process time and pathway time. Yep. So by mm -hmm. the time they are ready, all these pieces are in place where they're going to go, who, who the next step is um, mm -hmm. in terms of housing or support um, for whatever, for whatever they need. Yeah, that's right. And the most beautiful thing is uh, we don't want the phone back. So it's theirs to keep. Uh, we, we deliver them to agencies everywhere. And in fact, I, I walked a bunch of phones into one of the agencies up here. And it was around 20 phones I gave them, and they were all iPhone 7s. We get brand new Motorola phones arriving. We, we get all sorts of phones here. So I delivered this box to them personally to their entire team of the, the people that deal with, with the survivors out there. And they said to their bosses, I've walked in and shown the phones, and I'm unpack, unpacking them. And they've said, These are better than our phones. <laughs> and they work for a large agency. And the boss is like, yeah, keep your hands off and they're not for you. <laughs> so it's beautiful to know that all the phones we're giving out, I won't let a phone go out that's got a cracked screen. I won't let a phone out that's faulty. It's got to be used for emergencies, right? But the good thing is, you know, they've been gifted. These phones have been gifted to us. We don't need them back. The person who's gifted them to us, they don't want them back. So it's part of a new life. So we, we suggest put a hammer through the old phone because it's probably being tracked anyway. It's probably got some of the damage. So stick a hammer through the old phone. Put it through Mobile Master, which is any phone shop or office works, and all those have the bins that you can dump your old electronic waste into. Um, and get rid of it and just use ours, keep ours. Uh, that's your new phone. It's part of your new life. Uh, so, Ashton, let's let's spend a good few minutes talking about how the different ways that we can support you. And let's take some time there. This is so important in terms of, obviously, let's talk about phone donations. Let's talk about mm -hmm. funding, um, independent donations or ongoing funding for the growth of your charity. Mm -hmm. um, can individuals help? Is it only organizations? Let's be specific about how just an individual in our audience today has a couple of the kids' phones sitting at home and how useful those can be. Or are you um, a giant telco that has loads mm -hmm. of phones and nowhere to go with them? And then funding. Sure. Okay. So with the phones, uh, we, my original campaign said, please donate your old phone. And oh my God, did we get some old phones? Um, we've got a table here in the office full of antique phones. So we've changed that to please donate your old working phone. Um, and that makes it a lot easier for us to test and get the phones going. Let's say that again, with. folks. Please donate, <laughs> please donate your old, your old working, working phones phone. if possible. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, we from anybody. So, you know, from individuals who are upgrading, you know, the new iPhone 14 has just come out. So if you're upgrading to a new iPhone, consider us for the old one because um, that'll probably be an iPhone 10 or something like that, which would be amazing. I'm imagine if you can get an iPhone 10. So um, anyone who's upgrading, 
anyone who works for corporates that would have fleet phones that they would regularly upgrade and not know what to do with. Um, so we do get, like Commonwealth Bank have given us 1,400 iPhone 7s that they previously would have just sold. And they went, this is so much better for us than selling phones. We're happy to give them to you. And they didn't even want any PR for it. They're like, no, we'll just do it. We're happy with that. So that's, um, the corporate phones are definitely the cleanest and quickest because the corporates will always reset them properly before they send them to us. We check every phone as well. So we put a SIM card in and make test calls. Um, but yes, anyone can donate a phone. On our website, which is dvsafephone.org, we have a map and that's of every phone drop-off location in Australia. There's currently around 280 locations. So all Jeep dealerships in Australia, Watsos. Uh, in Queensland, we've got lots of the Suncorp banks in their branches, they physically have boxes. On the Sunshine Coast, where we are, we've got heritage banks as well and so many, so many locations. So jump on the map and just find your local drop-off point and drop your phone in there. And then those very generous organisations will package those phones up when they get you know, five or 10 of them. They'll pack them up and they pay for the postage to send the phones to us. Awesome. The other option is for corporates to send us phones directly, which we'd prefer because then we will know exactly where they came from. They'll get to us a lot quicker and we can thank them appropriately on social media as well because it'll be all packaged up. So we've just got a post office box here in uh, Queensland where people can send phones directly to us in the mail. And again, we'll receive them. We photograph every phone that comes in. We thank a lot of people on socials. And that's the way this works is just people and are you generous. And you mentioned you guys are expanding quickly. Uh, your charity mm. and you have big goals, uh, very significant goals. If mm. we have um, individuals or companies, organizations in our audience today listening in uh, that would like to help on a bigger level and, and yep. do some funding or donations, how would they go about that? What do you need? Yeah, we, we definitely like some help with funding. Um, a lot of people say to me, how do you make money out of this? And I'm like, yeah, I wish I thought of that when I started it <laughs> because literally we, we, we give everything away. The phones are given, the cables are given, SIM cards are given, postage. So it is every step away is a cost. So we are looking for corporates to get on board and, and we're looking for regular donors. So corporates and regular donors would be amazing. Um, but people can donate anything from $2 upwards through our website um, and it's fully tax deductible in Australia. But yeah, our big call at the moment is we've got a campaign coming up um, where we are, we're looking for regular donors who would commit to a monthly amount. That way, it helps me manage, you know, the operational cost and, and knowing what I've got coming for next month. So I know, can I buy a thousand dollars of SIM cards next month or two thousand dollars of SIM cards next month? Can I buy? Because the more I buy in quantity, the, the discounts I get, especially with the cables. So Aldi have been amazing with SIM cards. They they're now giving me twenty five percent more than what I order. So if I order $4,000 of SIM cards, they're going to send me 25% more. So they've been really supportive. With the postage, obviously that gets cheaper the more we do it. Um, with the boxes we buy, it's cheaper the more we, we get. The cables are the same. So yeah, we, we're definitely looking for some corporates. As I said, there's been some very generous corporates with donating their phones. But every phone that goes out costs me money. So we, we need help with any corporate who would like to look at us for being the charity of choice in any campaign they might be running. Um, this is one of the easiest corporate social responsibility plans that any corporate can get involved in because it ticks every box. Like it's environmentally friendly. You know, we will try and give a phone another life that's going to probably end up in a bin. Um, if we can't use the phone, 
we send it out through a recycling company. We don't get paid for it, but they pick it up for free from us. So we make sure the phones get e-waste e recycled the right way. So it's very environmentally friendly. Um, we check every phone that comes through as well. So it's part of you know, a good second level security check. We have had phones come from corporates before that were still signed into their mobile device management system, which is that's still secure. It just means we've caught it before it's gone out. So we'll just go back to the corporation and say, hey, look, this is still signed in. And I'll go, oh, we'll fix that. So they sign that back out for us. Um, so it's another level of security check. And the, yeah, the best thing is it, it is providing a phone to those who, you know, it's literally a life-saving device. It is um, a phenomenal effort you guys are doing. Your team is, um, is so important. And what we'll do is um, in all the notes of this podcast, we'll make sure that your website, all your contact details are there. Um, include all the relevant and important details so that people can get a hold of you um, for phones or donations, ongoing support, however they can contribute. Ashton, thank you for your time today. Very valuable, all thank that you information. So much, and uh, we look forward to supporting you as you guys grow and continue saving lives. Yeah, thank you, Tracy. Yeah, we're here for a long time. We're, we're not going anywhere. We're going to make this work and make it work well. Well, we'll be here the whole time and uh, right by your side. So yeah. have a super day. And um, again, thanks for sharing on this platform. It's been incredibly insightful. Thank you for inviting me to the platform. And um, yeah, to all the listeners who are watching this, like it sounds like you've got a really good lineup of people to speak. So uh, yeah, I look forward to tuning in myself.